Blog Talk Radio. Stephen B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Your host this evening is Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Cordo from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. We're grateful that you are tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call, Stevie B's Media Production Studio at 910-491-6400. Zero five. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-hosts on the show this evening, Brian Christian Coleman and Steve Cordell as they break unto us the bread of life. And also my co-host Clay Phillips, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many, we pray that you will bless them and their families that supports their efforts to continue to sow the seed 
of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners who are tuning in through via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul's salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you will forgive us for the sins we've committed in our minds and our bodies. We know our flesh is weak and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful unto death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast. Our speakers for the show this evening in the first segment, my co-host, Brian Christian Copeman. He serves with the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shouted out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to my co-host, Clay Phillips. He serves as the evangelist for the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. And in the last segment, my co-host, Steve Cordell, he serves as the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And I believe Steve also will be live on Facebook as he presents his presentation. And also, I think my co-host, Clay Phillips, he's normally live on Facebook as well as he answers these questions. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have... A great show. After the break, next voice you hear be that of my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Come on and 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host, Brian Christian Coleman, and his subject, get over it and let it go. Good evening, my brothers and sisters. It's another honor and marvelous privilege that God has blessed us to have to come together to study another portion of His holy and divine word. And we ask and pray that what is said tonight will be both pleasing and also acceptable in his sight. We also like to welcome those, those who are with us this evening, because we always sometimes may take for granted that everyone that is on our radio show, that Brother Butler does an outstanding job each and every week, uh, are, not me- are all members of the Church of Christ. We have to understand that we do have those who do tune in who are not members of the Church. And we ask and pray, Father, that what is said tonight will be pleasing and acceptable unto him that will touch the hearts of those who are not members of the body, that they may ask the question, what must I do to be saved? And they may put on Christ in baptism before it's everlastingly too late. Turn your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 to 13. Genesis 45. Verses 1 to 13. And the Bible says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. 
and they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall be neither earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your soul, your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there, and there I will nourish thee. But yet there are five years of famine left thou in thy household, and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that is it my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and all that ye have seen. And ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. If I send your copy of God's word, say amen. I like to speak on the subject as the Spirit guides me, and it deals with forgiveness tonight. We talk about so many things on this radio show, but I felt tonight my subject should be dealing with something in reference to forgiveness. It's called Get Over It and Let It Go. Get over it and let it go. Whoever you're mad with, get over it and let it go. Whoever did you wrong, get over it and let it go. No matter what they did, you better get over it and let it go. I've got a question for you. Who's on your list? Now, I'm not talking about your telephone list. I'm not talking about your friendship list. I'm not talking about any type of list. I'm talking about who's on your hit list. Hello? I'm not talking about your Facebook list of friends. Who has hurt you? Who has messed over you in the past and is still messing with you in your present? I was with a sister in 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 my congregation. I recently visited her, and she was involved in a major car accident. And the other car was in the wrong. And her pro- and basically she was blessed to not to have any broken bones, no lacerations, or anything of that nature. But her pro- she was told by the emergency room doctor that you need to schedule an appointment with your primary physician because you may have some lingering after effects that will occur. And you need to check it out and have some different scans done to see if you will have any lingering after effects. How many of you have had people mess with you in your past 
and is causing lingering after effects in your presence. See, lingering after effects don't always come with the accident. You thought this thing was over, but the lingering after effects have affected your spirituality emotionally and physically. Every time you hear that music that reminds you of, of, who, of, of that other person, you get sick. I know I ain't, I'm, I'm not talking by myself today, and I know I ain't riding this car by myself. Say amen, somebody. Every time you see somebody that looks like them, you want to go upside their head. Every time you drive by the spot where you used to frequent, when you did the things that you did, when you did what you did, when things were going well, it makes you mad all over again. It is the lingering after effect. The enemy does not always get us with the accident. Sometimes the enemy gets us with lingering after effects. I do not know who you are, but you have someone that has messed with you in your past and is messing with you right now in your presence. If you not, do not deal with the lingering after effects and get rid of the lingering after effects, it will cause your own self-downsizing of your destiny and paralyze your possibilities. You, you cannot go where God wants you to go. Lingering after effects may be avoidable. The effects may be avoidable, but how long they last depend on you. Lingering after effects is not the person that caused the accident, but how long you hold on to it. Let's look at Joseph here. We see in the backdrop of this text that Joseph has been promoted to prime minister, to second in command to Pharaoh. God, you know what? It's so strong and so interesting that here's a young man who has stayed faithful to God facing many different challenges in his life. But one thing still remained the same. He maintained his faith to God. See, and also here's something I want you all, I know you all may shout on this. God does not have to bless you on his territory. You know, when you're close to God, when you're in God's house, when you're close to him, but he can bless you on the enemy's territory and make the enemy give you the blessing. I know someone needs to be shouting and saying amen. We need to stop asking God to remove us from certain folks, remove us from this job and that job. God says, I don't have to move you to bless you. God can bless you on the enemy's territory, and the enemy cannot stop you from getting the blessing. Say amen if you can. Folk in your job who don't like you watched you while you got your blessing, and they tried to be blessing blockers. You may not have had all the education. You may not have had all the certification. But God blessed you to get that promotion, and the enemy tried to stop you, and he couldn't stop you. The loan officer didn't want to give you the loan because of you had bad credit, but he had to give you the loan. The same folk that tried to block your blessings will be the same folk that might have come to you one day and asked for a blessing. Be careful, and I want this to be, be known to members of the church. As you move your way up in your corporate ladder, be careful how you treat folk on your way up because you, will have, you may have to meet those same folk on your way down. You may be up today and be down tomorrow. You may be well today, but a sick day is coming tomorrow. You may have money today and be bankrupt tomorrow. 
and the person you wrote off yesterday might be the person that has a blessing in his or her hand to help you through what you're going through today. He can bless you on the enemy's territory. And right here with the text, we see as he's encountered his brethren. When they realized who he was, they got scared. I didn't say scared. They got scared. And they felt that Joseph was going to do to them what they had done to them. The golden rule says, therefore, all things which are so ye would, that men should do to you, do also unto them. For this is the law. The golden rule is not saying treat people the way they treat you. Because if that was the case, we'd be living an eye by an eye and a tooth by a tooth. And we would all be blind and snaggletooth. The golden rule is not saying treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, some of us have an unhealthy view of how they feel they should be treated. They feel people should come to them and treat them a certain way to make them feel good. You know what? I don't want you to treat me the way you want to be treated. The golden rule is saying treat people the way God treats you. I know God gives grace. He gives mercy to the wicked. When I find myself doing wrong, I don't need some bougie, erudite person looking down on me. I need mercy when I am down. I need grace when I am down. Every now and then, when I do not feel lovable, I need someone that can love me in spite of myself. Every now and then, I need a judge who will look past my faults, beyond my appearance, and judge righteously. I don't want to treat folk the way they treat me. I don't want to treat folk the way they want to be treated. I want to treat folk like God treats me. Say amen if you can. And you know what? Joseph learned how to get over it and let it go. And let me just drop this bomb while I'm flying over. There is therapy in letting stuff go. There is therapy in forgiveness. Forgiveness not only benefits the one that caused the hurting, but it benefits the one who got hurt because the longer you hold on to it, the longer it will hold on to you. And the longer you hold on to it, the meaner and nastier you're going to get. You have not always been nasty, so you need to learn how to get over it and let it go. The person that you are mad at, you know what? They don't moved on with their life. They don't even think about you. You're not even a second thought in their mind. You're not even on their radar. You are not even a thought in their mind. But you have just held on to some stuff, and you need to let, let it go. It's time to let it go. It's time to release it. It's time to forgive. When you don't forgive, you become a prisoner in your, for your, to your own unforgiveness. If there's something in your yesterday messing with your today, if there is some folk that has messed over you in your past, I've dropped by to tell you, it is time you get delivered. It is time to get you some courage in your life. You need to get your self-respect back. It's time to get over it and let it go. You know, I know it's hard to forget when you say you forgive. You know, you feel like you're the elephant. You don't forget. But the way you can move on is when you have truly forgiven them, they do not have to report to you. See, many times, we as members of the church especially, we try to parole folks. 
into forgiving us and forgiving us and forgiving them. You see, there's two types of forgiveness. There is parole and then there's pardon. Many of us want to start trying to feel we're more than what we are, and we want to parole folks. Parole means you are released on some condition, and when you're released on those conditions, you've got to report back and get some, uh, give a report of yourself. But we need to understand, we need to stop asking for people and putting people down who are truly trying to get past what they've done wrong to us. We need to pardon folks. And when you pardon folks, guess what? You're letting them know you don't ever have to come back to me and let me know you're sorry again because I have truly forgiven you. We need to learn how to pardon folks and learn not to parole folks because we serve a God. Let me just drop this bomb while I'm flying old baby. You need to understand that we serve a God who looks at us and we need to look at him, be, be truthful to him, because he said, I'm so glad that our God is a forgiving God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 12, I will remember your sins no more. You see, when we, when we forgive right and we learn how to act right, God will forgive our sins and he will cast them out of us and we don't have to worry about them no more. So when other folk have treated us wrong, learn to forgive and let it go and have brotherly and sisterly fellowship with your brothers and sisters. Say amen if you can. Now, you may ask the question, how to forgive and let it go? I've got three rules that deal with that. Rule number one, don't make what is private public. Oh, I need to say that again. Don't make what is private public. You've got some members of the church who are not spiritually mature, and you and that person have gone through something. And to beat themselves up and make themselves feel better, they've got to get go to two or three people and tell them what you did to them. And then they all come at you. You've got to learn this is not between a whole bunch of people and you. The Bible teaches us if you have a problem with your brother, go to your brother and go to him alone. So when you have to deal with somebody in reference to getting over it and letting it go, you go to that person by self and deal with the problem. Number two, true forgiveness is not who is right, but it's making things right. Come on, y'all. Say amen when you can. If you're truly forgiving somebody, you don't throw back in their face, well, you did this to me, or no, no, you did this to me. It's not about who's right and wrong. It's about making things right between the two of you. Say amen if you can. Now, this number three is going to blow somebody, it's going to bless somebody, help somebody in one way, and it's going to blow, the, blow some fuses in the other. Number three, bless someone who tried to block your blessings. Oh, I know y'all sitting there thinking, that's a, that's a tall order, Brother Coleman. But that's true. Bless somebody. See, the true authenticity of your forgiveness is when you can go to that person who has hurt you and they've come to you for some mercy and come to you for a blessing 
and you help them. That's when you know you've truly gotten over it. Now you may ask the question, why to forgive and let it go? Number one, I can get over it and let it go because what I have left is more than what I lost. Oh, come on, y'all. Say amen when you can. You know, Joseph lost a lot of stuff because of what was done to him. But what you have taken from me is who I am. He is still Joseph. Understand that you are going to go through stuff. You're going to get hurt from people and different walks of life. But in the end, you are still Joseph. No matter what you go through, you maintain your Christian dignity. You maintain your Christian walk. You create, maintain your Christian responsibility because you are still Joseph. And God can use the pain of my past as a pawn in his providential purpose. Let me give you all a historicity of Joseph, and then I'm going to conclude. Joseph lived with his father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan. That makes him the great-grandson of Abraham. And Joseph was 17 years of age. You find this in Genesis chapter 37, verse number 2. And Joseph's father had four wives. You talk about baby mama drama. That means each of his four wives competed for the attention of, of Jacob. And Joseph had 11 brothers and one sister. And the Bible teaches us in Genesis 37 and 3 that Jacob loved Joseph more than all his other children because he was the son of his, oldest, of, of his old age. Not only did he love him, he showed and demonstrated his love to more to Joseph than his other children because he made Joseph a coat of many colors. Also, it should be brought out that his mother died giving birth to his baby brother Benjamin. Now, what got Joseph in trouble was not just the fact of him of his father having more love for him than his other brothers and not because of the coat of many colors. It's because he shared what God had placed on his spirit with those who are not spiritually mature to handle it. You know, sometimes you've got to be careful who you share your, with, uh, your blessings with. You've got to be careful around members of your own family, friends, and even members of the church because some people are not spiritually mature to handle what God has placed on your spirit. So when Joseph had had his, his had had his dreams, he came back to his brothers and he told them about his dreams. He even told about one dream where they were there and they bowed down before him. Now, if one dream didn't get him upset, this dream surely got them all messed up. And they, you know what? It got them all hot and bothered that they conspired. To kill Joseph. You see this in Genesis chapter 37 and verse number 18. And when Jacob had sent Joseph out to check on his brothers, the Bible says that they saw him coming afar off and they said, Here cometh the dreamer. And basically, they wanted to kill him, but they placed him 
in a pit. And they sold him into slavery to the Ishmaelites that were headed to Egypt. And they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph down to Egypt, and he was sold to Potiphar, an officer and Pharaoh of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Genesis 37 and verse number 36. The Bible says that Potiphar recognized and saw that God was with Joseph. Genesis chapter 39 and verse number 3. No matter what situation that you're in, that you keep God first in your life. If you if you want to see how something can ha- how things can work out well for you, even though you're going through a tough time like Joseph, you stand up and you read Genesis 39 and read through and see how faithful Joseph was to God. And the Bible says in Joseph Genesis 39 and 3, and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. That's why it's so important to maintain your composure when you're dealing with something. You can't fly off the handle. You can't get upset. You've got to maintain some composure and focus on God and ask God to give you spiritual wisdom and deliverance from what you're dealing with. Having Joseph as his servant, everything went well, and Potiphar prospered in all things in his household. The Bible says that Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. He served Potiphar. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put in his hand. Genesis 39 and verse number 4. Then you know there was a little problem there in the house. Mrs. Potiphar tried to get her, give her swerve on. You know, she was going through her midlife crisis. And, you know, she was probably wanting to feel that she was a, a woman. I don't know what her issue was. But she laid her eyes on Joseph. And she tried to get with Joseph. And she was bold, you know. She went to Joseph and said, lay with me. But Joseph maintained his commitment to God. And he asked her in Genesis 39 and 9, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That lets us know no matter what we're dealing with, you maintain and keep your focus toward God. Then when he had then basically she tried all these other times to get with Joseph. She had him one day, had all the servants leave the house. And when Joseph came into the house, basically she grabbed him and said, lay with me. And Joseph fled and left his coat. Now, what happens when, the, when people don't get what they want? They start lying. And she lied on Joseph to her husband Potiphar, saying he was trying to get with me when it was her trying to get with him. And you know the penalty of raping an Egyptian was death. But Potiphar sent him to prison. Now you may ask, why did he do such a thing like that? Basically, I believe that Potiphar realized and understood Joseph's uh, compassion and dedication to him and to God, and he knew that, he, that, that Joseph didn't want nothing to do with that ugly woman. But he had to save faith, tells us that the keeper of the prison saw that God was with Joseph. See, no matter what you're going through, maintain and be faithful unto God. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, 23, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
and all these things shall be added unto you. And the Lord, and basically while he was in prison, he helped clean up the prison. And basically God is still blessing Joseph. Where? On the enemy's territory. Then we see in Genesis chapter 39, verses 21 to 23, that the baker and the butler are placed in the prison. And there they had a dream. Both each have a dream. And Joseph interpreted their dreams. And he told the butler, after three, Baker, after three days, you're going to get out of here, but not with your head. And he told the butler, in three days, you're going to be out of this jail, and you're going to be restored back to Pharaoh. And he asked the butler one thing, please remember me. And you know what? How many times have you helped people, and they've forgotten about you? They've forgotten about your kindness. They've forgotten about what you've done for them. But God, who sits high and looks low, is remembering everything that you do because you put God first in your life. And in three days, he gets out of that jailhouse, and he goes back to the big house, and he forgot about Joseph for three years until Pharaoh had them dreams. And you know after that, he tried to get close to the Pharaoh and say, I know a little boy in jail who can interpret your dreams. And he and they got Joseph out of that prison, and he stood there and, and listened to Pharaoh. And y'all know the story and interpreted their dreams. And after all he went through, Joseph became the big baller, shot caller, number one stunner in all of Egypt. He became the big Baller, shot caller, number one stunner. God will take you from your pit. God will take you from your prison, and he will put you up in the palace, and everyone will have to come to you. Say amen if you can. And now he is second to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh understood and said only in the throne room, Am I'm greater than you. And he put Joseph over the relief fund, having grains there in Egypt. And we all know the story later on. Here we see now in Genesis 46, who comes to town trying to get some, get some bread? He repeat, he's with his brothers. And you know, at first, he was kind of upset with his brothers for what they had done to him. But we see now that Joseph has learned to get over it and let it go because the first thing he did before he revealed himself to his brothers, he put, him, he put everybody out of, the, out of the room. This was between him and his brothers. And when he had revealed himself to his brothers, he let them know in verse 8, and I read, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. God was orchestrating the whole thing from the very beginning. So it lets us know when we're going through something, rest assured, our God who sits high and looks low knows what we're dealing with, and he's able to sustain us. We may think we've been going through this thing a long time, but he's able to help us through what we're going through, and he is orchestrating things for our deliverance. 
And I just stopped by to tell you this evening in closing that whatever you may be going through right now, you may be suffering right now from the loss of a loved one. You may be dealing with a job loss. You may be looking for a new place to live. You may be going through different situations. the, The loan company came by and repossessed your car. Whatever you're going through, I stopped by to tell you tonight in closing, understand that what you're about, what you're going through is temporary. But again, our God is orchestrating some deliverance for you. And I stopped by to tell you that if you hold on to his unchanging hand, he's got a blessing waiting for you around the corner. And all you got to do is hold on to God's unchanging hand. And if there's anyone here tonight within the sound of my voice who is not a member of the Church of Christ, and you want to know, you saying, I want to get over it and let it go from my past. Well, you've got to turn it over to Jesus. And the only way you can turn it over to Jesus, you've got to be God's child. You are God's creation right now, but you want to become God's child. You ask, well, what do I need to do, my brother? Five simple things you have to do. You've got to hear the gospel. John, you got to hear the gospel. Romans ten seventeen. Excuse me. You got to hear the gospel. Then you got to believe it. Then you must repent of your sins. Luke thirteen three and five. Then after that, you must confess the sweetest word that you will ever say. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. After which, you're not done yet. You have one more thing to do. You've got to go down into the liquid tomb of baptism for the remission of your sins. Acts two. And verse number 38, where in baptism, baptism is washed away, Acts 22:16. You become a new creature, John 3 and 5. You become a child of God, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And you are added to the church of Christ, Acts 2, 47. Is there someone here tonight on this, on this, on this program who is a member of the church and you need to learn to get over some things and let it go? Give it over to God in prayer. Confess that you have sinned and ask God to forgive you. This is something that is so important because learning to forgive can help us make heaven our home one day. And we're going to go through ups and downs. We're going to go through issues. But when we hold on to his unchanging hand, God one day will be able to say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come on up higher, and I'll make you a ruler over many. I pray this lesson has been beneficial for those who are members of the church and also beneficial for those who are not members of the church this evening. May God bless you. May God keep you. And thank you, Brother Butler, for providing me another opportunity to share what little I know of God's holy and divine word. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific need. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665. Or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com.
These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events and activities announced on this radio broadcast, please contact Stevie B's Media Production Studio at 910-491-6405. Or send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Due to the coronavirus pandemic outbreak, I will not be making any public announcements until further notice regarding public meetings and assemblies, but I will be making announcements about the events and activities that are happening here on social media. But there is a congregation here in the Fayetteville area, the Helen Street Church of Christ. They're meeting in their building publicly, and they're meeting at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, and immediately after their worship services, they will be having the Bible class. But they will be meeting simultaneously on Zoom on Sunday morning and on Wednesday evening for their Wednesday Bible class. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there'll be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Island Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number to this call is 857-216-6700 and the access code is 328-497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will be presenting a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved as well as information regarding about the churches of Christ. In addition, it is intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are Christians. On Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'm sorry, on Tuesday evening at 6.30 Pacific Central Standard Time, there'll be a Bible class, a women's virtual Bible class by the Delcrest Church of Christ in San Antonio, Texas. And this class will be held on www.zoom.com and the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. Daily at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ Prayer Line hosted by the Church of Christ from Lafayette, Louisiana. And the telephone number to this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And the access code is 514-859. My co-host on the Gospel Light Radio Show, Steve Cordo, he has a new book entitled God, Grace, and You, and you can order this book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. There will be a spring-summer series every fourth Wednesday of each month at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There'll be a preacher's panel discussion. Join, Michael, join Minister Michael Crusoe. As he moderates a series of discussions featuring, featuring seasoned preachers in the Brotherhood of the Church of Christ. And the topic of discussion is expanding the role of women in Christian worship. Stevie B's Mid Production presents we have a new show coming on August the 31st. Every last Tuesday of the month, this show will be included with the show What a Woman the Lord that airs on Tuesday night. Here on Blog Talk Radio, and this show is entitled The Kelly Fletcher Show. So join Kelly for her Bible topics. And just a program reminder Stevie B's Media Production presents we're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. You can give me a call to the live show at 713 955 0508 or type in your search bar slash Gospel Light Radio Show on Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'll be hosting a live show, What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. 
And each week we'll have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who'll be presenting a message from the Word of God. Also, we have the Community Corner segment that's segment designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities. And I also have three co-hosts on that show, Lou Gilbert, he's the evangelist for the Oak Brook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my newest co-host, Shauna Otis from the Greatway Church of Christ. She has a team, the Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry, that's on the show every third Tuesday of the month. And my newest co-host, Isa Mullins, who serves the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And then on Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And I have eight co-hosts on this show who will be presenting messages from the Word of God. And each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. My co-host tonight is Brian Christian Coleman and Steve Cordell who are presenting messages from the Word of God. Also have a question from my shouted out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to my co-host, Clay Phillips, on the broadcast tonight. And then on Friday night at our new time, I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast, from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on this radio show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, The Sweet Sounds of Voices. And on this Friday night show, I'm counting down my top 20 acapella gospel songs for the month of July. Actually, it'll be for the month of June and July because we did not have a show uh, due to the death of one of my uh, members of my staff here on Stevie B's Media Productions in the month of June. And also, my on-demand episodes, if you can't catch any of these live shows, wherever you're getting your favorite podcast from, there's just a variety of places you can get your podcast from. But I always like to announce some of these major ones that people are more familiar with, Spotify, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon, YouTube, just to name a few. Just type in your search bar, Stevie B Media Productions, and you'll see all of the shows that we're producing here on a weekly basis. I have a new sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. If you'd like to be a sponsor for any of these radio shows, just give her a call at 954-687-4705. And I'd like to give a shout-out to all of my sponsors. We certainly appreciate everyone who's been sponsoring these programs. Sharon Norwood from Chicago, Illinois. Bethesda Memorial Funeral Director of Criminal Services from DeSoto, Texas. Stanley Phillips from Little Rock, Arkansas. Cheryl Marat from Charlotte, North Carolina. Dubon Blazing Cracker Duke from Nashville, Tennessee. Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina. Marquise Hallman from Charlotte, North Carolina. Stephanie Booker-Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina. Diversified Financial Network, LLC from Dallas, Texas. And Ordain Fate Publishing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stevie B's media production. It is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate. We want to edify. We want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. Stay tuned. Our shout-it-out question is up next. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I know, Lord, I know the Lord, He'll take care, He'll take care, take care of me. Oh, yeah, yes, He, he will. will. I know the Last 
time. Oh, yes. I call on you oh, and you step yes. in right on time. Oh, yes. I know the Lord. trying every day to walk in the right way my my it gets hard hard on this road it gets so rough Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out, and we want to pose this question to my co-host. We also want to encourage our listeners to join that group 
on Facebook and get involved in those biblical discussions. That group is called Shout It Out. Now, my co-host, Clay Phillips, he serves with the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. He'll be answering our question. Hey, brother, how you doing? Marvelous, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Now, we got a doozy for you on the broadcast this evening. Now, the queries from anonymous queries from the state of Florida, and they want to know, does one need to be a Christian to go to heaven? What say you to this question? Thank you very much, Brother Steve. I think that, first of all, it is a marvelous question. And this question has been asked out through uh, decades. Uh, when the gospel came into existence. And I'm just so thrilled to be able to answer this question. Now, before I answer the question, I want you to understand the severity of uh, me answering this question. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and the verses 15, it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now, I've been doing a lot of a ministerial work this week and this month, and, and I do a lot of ministerial work, but there's nothing I believe as a minister of the gospel that is more serious and more concerned to the Christian than to answer questions. For Peter says here, he said, listen, when you answer a question, you must understand, he says, but sanctify, set apart out of everything else you set apart. When someone asks a question, the one that asks this question, I want you to know I take serious the question that you ask. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with, notice what it says here, with meekness and with fear. In other words, submission. So now, if you're listening to me, to me today, I want you to understand, I take this serious. I think this is the most serious thing in our ministry is apologetics, to be able to defend the gospel. So the question is, does one need to be a Christian to, be, to go to heaven? Now, I want to look at Paul apologetics. I think that it is outstanding. There is no greater apologetics than Paul addressing this same question that uh, we are dealing with on this evening. Now, turn your Bibles with me now to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 26. And I want to read, if you will, verse um, 24 through verse 29. Acts chapter 26, verse 24 through verse 29. And we now understand this. We're looking at Paul's uh, apologetics in dealing with this question about Christianity. The Bible says, and as he does speak for himself, talking about Paul, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning have made thee mad. He said, I am not mad, most noble Festus but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king, then he turned around and looked at the king, knoweth of these things before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, 
for this thing was not done in a corner. Then in verse 27, King Agrippa, believeth thou the prophet, I know that thou does. Believe. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost, notice now, almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only die, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and all together, such as I am, except these bonds. So the question is, and I take this question serious, does one need to be a Christian to go to heaven? Let me give you a short answer, then we look at some uh, homiletics here. Yes. <laughs> and we will look at Paul apologetics here. Paul dealing with uh, two distinct listeners uh, that are struggling with the truth. And so when someone asks the question, uh, Brother Phillips, does I need to be a Christian to go to heaven, you are struggling with the truth. Not only are you struggling with the truth, uh, not only his two listeners, Festus and uh, the king, Agrippa, not only were they struggling with the truth, they were struggling with the attitudes. In other words, both had different attitudes toward the truth. So understand this. When you teach the truth, when you teach the Bible, there are those that will have a against the truth attitude, and there are those that will have the toward the truth attitude. So there, were, there are those that are struggling that will have against the truth. So they ask the question, do one need to be a Christian to go to heaven, not because they want to be saved, not because they want to know and believe, but because they want a way out. So here we find that the uh, Apostle Paul deals with Festus. Now, first of all, Festus is one of the individuals that, who turned entirely aside from the truth. He, 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 first thing he said, uh, with a loud voice, Paul. <laughs> when Paul, the people call you by your first name, he had angry. Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning have made thee mad. In other words, I want you to know there's no way under heaven I'm going to believe that. And then Agrippa, on the other hand, when you drop down to verse 26, Agrippa, on the other hand, is half convinced. He had turned toward. And he said, almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. Now, Paul, Agrippa, and Festus, all of them heard the gospel. But Paul, he is the only one that was received the gospel. How do you know? Because if you read in verse 29, it says, And Paul said, no Paul, And Paul said, I would to God that not only die, but also all that hear me this day were both all together such as I am. What was Paul? Paul said, Listen, I'm a Christian. Woo! <laughs> such as I am, except these bonds. 
He said, I went to God. Everybody was like me. All you guys were like me. But he, now, first of all, let's understand what is a Christian. First of all, we need to understand what is a Christian. Now, the word Christian is mentioned three times in the Bible. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, Acts chapter 26, and verse number 28, our text, 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 16. Now, Acts chapter 11, verse 26 says, uh, they was called Christians first in Antioch. And uh, what we just read in Acts 26 is, uh, almost God persuaded me to be a Christian. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, it says, if any man suffer, let him suffer as a Christian. Now, I want to show you, I want to look back at Paul apologetics. So Paul here is dealing with this. Now turn back to, we got to go back to chapter 24 of Acts chapter 24 and verse number 14. Acts 24, 14. Now understand this. When the name Christianity came out, it was not a positive name. It came out of a connotation of negative, or negativity. In other words, they were actually, they was actually uh, scorning those people, <laughs> those individuals, those Christians, that Christ-like people that followed that Jesus Christ. It was negative. And so here, they were first called the people of the way. So let's go back and examine the people of the way. When Paul became a Christian, he became the people of the way. So look at Acts chapter 4, 24, and the verses number 14. But this I confess unto thee. So here's Paul giving us his apologetics to being a Christian. He's giving us his apologetics. He says, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way, in other words, those people you call in the way, <laughs> after the way, which they call heresy. They call this heresy. You remember, Paul, you remember me now. You know remember me. I was sore, and I was wrecking havoc on those so-called folk that, called, that was in the way of Christianity, Christ-like people. Notice what he said. He said, now I'm going to explain to you that I want you to understand that they was called in the way. So let me show you that I went after the way. He said, but I want you to understand, he said, after the way, which they call heresy, he says, now I'm going to tell you my part. When I heard this, when I heard the gospel, when I heard God shook me up and I became a child of God, he says, so worship I the God of my father. <laughs> he said, listen, when I find out, so worship the God of my Father, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. So Paul said, listen, I had, I had a problem with those folks that was in the way. You remember it was Jesus that said in John 14, verse 1, he, he, he talked about, I go to a prayer place for you, no, I go to a prayer place for you. But he said at the, in verse number 6, he let them know, he said, I am the way, the truth. And the lion, no man cometh to the Father but by me. So if you want to go to heaven, whoo, look at this. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to go through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. You can call it in the way, a highway, 
You better know the way. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man coming to the Father but, but me. Woo, look at him. Now, so what does Paul is saying here? Paul is teaching us that he said, I'm telling the, uh, Agrippa and the king and Thessalonica and the king, Agrippa, I'm telling them that, listen, I persecuted the folks that was in the way that you all called heresy, and it was called Christian first at Antioch. Uh, and not only that, they, in Acts chapter uh, 26 and verse 1, the Bible teaches us that it was, uh, I'm telling you, that listen, that I is not almost, I'm all together, woo, I'm all together a child of God. And you in the first Peter chapter 4 verse 16 says, listen, if any man suffer, if any man suffer, let him suffer as a Christian. What is a Christian? What is a Christian, Paul? Paul is telling us, he said, what a Christian is, let me tell you what they believe. First of all, to know what a Christian is, you need to know what they believe. Now, I got 10 minutes here. To know what a Christian believes, to know what a Christian is, you need to know what a Christian believes. Paul said they believe that in one personal God, the God of power, the God that made the universe, the God of love, who has devised a way of salvation for man. Those people you call Christians, they believe that God has made known unto us the mind of his will. Those people you call Christians, they believe that God, that the man, even in his sin, God has redeemed. Paul is saying, those people you call Christians believe that Jesus of Nazareth was God's son. He died, buried, rose again. Those people you call Christians, they are humiliated and yet exalted because Jesus was humiliated and exalted. He said, take this mind, let this mind be in you what was also in Christ. Jesus, woo! Those people you call Christians believe in a hereafter. We got to go to heaven somewhere. There's a place for us. Now let us look at the power of the argument. And then I'm going to let you go. The power of the argument. Why should we become Christians? Look at the power of the argument. Look at verse uh, number 25. The Bible says, But he said, I am not mad, most noble festival. Now the power of the argument is right here. He said, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. In other words, Paul said, I'm not drunk. I'm not confused. I was confused before, but now I know what the Christian means. It is a child of God. It is the truth of the soberness. In other words, there is nobody more sober than a Christian, a child of God, in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Not only that, not only that. Drop down to verse 26. It says, it talks about, he says, for the king knoweth of these things, before whom I also speak freely of. The king knoweth, not does, this was not done in the corner. You know what happened. You read Isaiah 53, who shall believe our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. He shall grow before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a God. God have no form, no. You read Jeremiah. You read Daniel. 
Hey, Hosea, Obadiah, Jonah, Massa, Nahum, Rebecca, Zephaniah, hey, God, Zachariah, you bad master, quick cutter, mother. You know it, king. You know it. Because one of you, King Herod, tried to stop the promise, tried to stop the Messiah from coming. Woo, look at this. Then, then he goes on and says, uh, in the same verse 26, he says, I persuaded that none of these things was hidden from you. They were not done in a corner. And then in verse number 27, I love this. I got to wrap this up. I got to wrap it up. In verse 27, King Agrippa, believe it, die the prophets. I know die. Believe it. Now, in other words, he, Peter Paul says, Paul said, King Agrippa, believe thou the prophet. In other words, what do you believe? So the person that asks the question, does one need to be a Christian to go to heaven? Let me ask you a question. What do you believe? Do you believe that there is a heaven? Do you believe that there is a hell? You need to understand, first of all, there was nothing done in the corner. So to ask the question is you either uh, know that the people are going Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So are you in the way? So King Agrippa, believe it, thou the prophet? I know that does. And notice verse number 26, 28, rather. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost. Now there are two things about the almost here. The first almost is persuaded. The second almost is a Christian. He was almost persuaded. He was almost a Christian. Now almost persuaded here is a condition. It is a condition that you can obtain. It is a condition that you are responsible for. It is a condition of danger. In other words, it had been better you not known the word of God than to know it and turn away from it. Now, as a Christian, almost a Christian, is a position. It is a position of privilege. It is a position of promise. It is a serious position. It puts you in the body of Christ when your Bible says, in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord to the church, so that daily should be saved. So you are a Christian. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13, Jesus said, now understand it, I got to read that. Let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, and the verse is number 13. Look what Jesus said here. It's your will, Matthew chapter 7. And the verse is number 13, I got to stop. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way will lead it unto destruction. And many there be that go in there. Are you a Christian? Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find. My question to you is the same thing. I'm persuaded, Paul said. Ah, you are, uh, I would to God that you were not only uh uh, almost persuaded. No, almost a Christian. I would to God you were just like I am. I'm a Christian. That's the best shot. That's your best shot. And that's the best shot, and that's the best I can give you. So do an individual have to be a Christian to go to heaven? Jesus said it. That if you want to go to heaven, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. May God bless you, and may God bless you real good. Find the church of Christ and be saved. Shout it out question. When I see the light of the morning sun and I see that everything is fine I lift up my eyes 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Steve Cordo, and his subject, Six Things Jesus Didn't Die. Steve, you seem to have a delay. You're live, Steve. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your Steve, attention you to, to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my Okay. Um, you seem to have a delay, Steve. Yeah. I think You're I got live. it taken. Okay. I think I got it now. Okay. We are. Thank you, Stevie, once again for having this opportunity to uh, be able to come here and share this lesson. And as soon as I get this. Steve, you need to turn your speaker off. Yeah, I'm doing that right now. There we go. Okay, got the speaker off, got the sound situation taken care of. Thank you all for joining us this evening. Thank you again, Stevie, for letting me uh, be on the program. And I'm continuing a series that I started a few months ago uh, on the uh, show. It's a series that I presented uh, here at the East Park Church. Uh, based on this article that I have up on the screen, Six Things Jesus Didn't Die For. And uh, we looked uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, or I mean uh, over the last two lessons, that he did not die for selfish ambitions. And if you remember, we looked at uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who uh, came with their mother and said, can we sit one of you on the left and one on your right hand when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus had to explain to them they really didn't know what they were talking about or what they were asking. And then we looked at how he did not die for a convenient Christianity. Uh, We uh, looked at David. We used him as an example of how when he went to make a sacrifice, he would not make a sacrifice with something uh, unless he paid for it. And he paid a price uh, for it because uh, otherwise it wouldn't be a real sacrifice. So for this evening, we're going to look at he didn't die for the American dream uh, to happen for us. And here's what the writer of the article said. This article was off of beliefnet.com. The writer says that the American dream is a beautiful thing, and even more incredible is the fact that it is achievable. It takes time, but people can work their way up the social ladder. Uh, Money, kids, cars, a house, a dog, that is fulfilling in many ways. It should not, however, be the sum total of our existence. It should not be all that we uh, are living for on earth, especially for the followers of Christ. As Christians, we are called to impact our culture for the kingdom of heaven uh, and uh, and live our lives for Christ, not to focus solely on material or earthly gain. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, not riches. As you do this, these things will attract themselves to you in God's timing. And so we look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said, seek first so uh, the kingdom and his righteousness. 
So what it means is it's going to come down to a question of priorities. What exactly are your priorities? Are you seeking first the kingdom or are you seeking material wealth? And to seek his righteousness, of course, means to live as God requires. And we, when we talk about righteousness and doing the right thing and that sort of, uh, sort of thing, we're talking about as defined biblically, not defined what, what the latest CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, whatever, whatever poll says. This is about what the Bible says, not what about uh, man thinks. Now, <clears throat> we're looking today at the, uh, the parable that a lot of people are familiar with. It's the parable of the rich fool. And this is a story Jesus told. It was a parable using agriculture. Since they were an agrarian society, we aren't so much anymore. But still, this is one I think people could understand. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to, uh, to uh, Luke chapter 12. And the context we have to look at, the setting for this, actually begins back up uh, in verse 13, where Jesus there, uh, and this usually gets overlooked. Uh, but the context is verse 13, where Jesus just finished uh, giving a talk about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And somebody from the crowd calls out to him, hey, teacher, will you tell my brother to split the, our father's inheritance with us, uh, the estate with us? And Jesus is interrupted by this. And this is kind of, of a bizarre thing to do, right there out of the blue, to come to some teacher and say, hey, tell my brother to split this inheritance uh, with me, and presumably this is the younger brother uh, of the two, because the older one usually got the inheritance and got a double portion. But it's a request that has nothing to do with what Jesus was talking about. This would be like sitting in math class and somebody in the room asks a question about history uh, or, or about biology. It's got nothing to do with what the teacher's talking about, and that that's what happened here. But Jesus is not about to let himself get drawn into a domestic dispute, basically, between brothers. And he knew that would just lead him down a path that he didn't want to go, so he puts a stop to it right now. He's not going to be Judge Judy or Judge Brown or, or any of those things. The, the contrast here now is what we want to look at. We want to look at the contrast between Jesus' mindset and the mindset of this brother, that's pretty significant. First of all, his, his mindset is on money. I, I want my inheritance. I want it now. And it's on wealth and, and that kind of thing. The Lord's mind, though, is set on the higher and the more noble. Jesus uh, is thinking, wants him to think eternal, not just about what's right now. Yes, it is important right now to manage uh, what we have uh, wisely. Uh, there, there's really nothing wrong. And I forgot to mention this in the introduction. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. Nothing wrong with having a nice home, nice car, any of that. But it cannot be uh, the sole reason for existence. It cannot be the sole reason that we are working to earn a living. Then Jesus tells the parable of, to get the man to see that life uh, is not evaluated or shouldn't be evaluated by the abundance of our possessions. I was reminded by a song that came out years ago that Jerry Reed did called Lord Mr. Ford. And there's a line in there. He's talking about the automobile and, and all the things it's done. And there's a line in the song where he says, the thing that amazes me, I guess, is the way we measure a man's success by the kind of an automobile he can afford to buy. Now think about that. Isn't there some truth to that? We see someone driving around in a 10 or 15-year-old car. We a lot of times don't think they're very successful. Somebody pulls up in a branding Mercedes or a BMW or Cadillac, and we really think they're successful. 
And that's one of the things that we tend to use uh, as, a, as a measurement. Now, Jesus is uh, suggesting that the, the demand for personal rights here a lot of times is going to be something that we use as a uh, cloak for just plain old-fashioned selfishness. And so we go on, and he tells the story of this rich fool. Now, this rich fool is a successful man. He has made a lot of money. He is successful enough that he doesn't have the space to store all of his abundance. He says, uh, you know, I've laid up many crops for many years. What am I going to do with all this? Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I will tear down these barns. I'm going to build bigger. I'm going to build better so I can store all of this. So he's reasoning with himself, you notice. In other words, he's, he's basically talking to himself about his circumstances. He's sitting there thinking, and, and uh, he, it's very deliberate. This wasn't accidental. He is reasoning. His actions are deliberate. And, yeah, we need to think about our actions. Sometimes it's good maybe to talk to others. Maybe if he had talked to somebody, he might have come up with a different conclusion about what to do here. He saw his wealth as an opportunity to please himself. He didn't think about others, and he certainly didn't think about God. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with him enjoying the fruits of his labor. But it would have been good for him maybe to stop and think about maybe hiring some more people to work in his fields or maybe uh, even helping those who couldn't uh, work and, or help themselves. Maybe even giving something a little to the synagogue or to the temple, uh, like we today might give a little something to the church, uh, help out our neighbors, someone who's, who we know is legitimately in need. And notice he was very productive. He had a very good year this year with this crop. He might have had several good years, but there's no hint of dishonesty. He came by all this uh, through hard work, uh, maybe some good planning. He obviously had the cooperation of uh, the weather that blessed him so that he could uh, build up a, a good storehouse of uh, crops. But here's the problem. His priorities got misplaced. Now, if there's ever a time you really need to stop and thank the Lord and thank God, it's for your successes. When things are going good, to be thankful for them. You know, it's been said that the Lord gives, the Lord can take away if we're not uh, showing proper gratitude or if we're not uh, using what we have been blessed with uh, in, a, in a proper way. There's just simply no gratitude here. What shall I do? I have built up uh, uh, many goods stored up. I, I, I. There's no uh, thanking God. He's kind of like Frank Sinatra. Now, I did it my way. I built all this up. I did it. And he's got plans. He's got a vision. I know, I'm going to pull down these barns. I got room, I'm going to build bigger. And then I'm going to have all these things stored up for many years. I can take it easy. He didn't have a problem with moth or rust, you notice, destroying his crops. He didn't have any issues with thieves breaking, and he did a good job at protecting it. He's got all these visions, these plans. And notice this, he says, I shall say to my soul, soul, the singular. He's living about himself now, thinking only of himself, not thinking about anybody else, not thinking about God, not thinking about people he could help. And, you know, there's no mention there of any kind of a family. Don't know if he had a wife or kids or anything like that. And so what happens? Well, God says, you fool. 
this night your soul will be required of you. Notice it came swift. Now let's just stop and think. How many of us know someone who died very suddenly? Done a lot of funerals, and there were several where death was unexpected. In fact, the first funeral I did was for a 22-year-old young man uh, who was out having a good time with his friends, uh, drag racing, and he ended up losing control of his motorcycle and hit a tree. No alcohol, no drugs, no nothing involved, just out having a good time. Didn't count on dying that night. And this man didn't count on dying either. He's counting on years and years and years of enjoying his wealth, enjoying the fruits of his labor. And when the blessings were multiplied, it only increased his covetousness. He just wanted more. And that's something I have seen in, in my reading with lottery winners. And I, I was dating someone years ago, and uh, she was still living with her parents, and she was, would play the lottery every week. And she just said, well, you know, I, I just want to be comfortable. And I looked around at her parents' house. It was a nice house. It was less than 10 years old, nicely furnished. Uh, okay, so what's not comfortable about this? What, what, what do you consider comfortable? And we find that people who win the lottery many times wish they hadn't even bought the ticket after the fact. They win millions of dollars, and you know, whatever they were doing before, if they were spending their money before, they're going to blow through this. If they save, then they're probably going to save. But the point being, whatever they win is usually never enough. And with this rich fool, it was not enough what he had. He had it all. He had the money. He had uh, luxury. He could have bought anything he wanted. But then notice what happened. He died suddenly, and it was unexpected. You, this night, I'm, it, you know, it says this night your soul will be required of you. My guess is he probably went to bed expecting to get up the next day and go about his business, and he died in his sleep, probably a heart attack, something like that. But he wasn't prepared for it. He died wealthy, but he lost everything. That's the thing. doesn't matter if you have $10 to your name or $10 billion to your name in the end. We're all going to the same place. We're all going to wind up in a box about the same size, uh, well, unless we're cremated or something else, and then we're going in the ground. Pretty much we're all going to meet that fate. And however much money you have, it's not going to impress God. There's a story that when John D. Rockefeller, the world's first billionaire, died, somebody asked, well, how much did the old man leave behind? The response, all of it. Couldn't take it with him. This man learned the same lesson. He had a deep wallet, but he didn't have a deep soul. He was thinking too much about this life. Just think for a second about how our time is spent. Compare the amount of time that you spend looking for things to spend your money on in your life rather than the amount of time spent on soul things. We like to act like money and success is the main goal of life, but really we should be thinking in terms of soul. Life is short. Never know when it's going to come to an end. You've got to be sure that you're prepared for that. We do have to spend time earning a living. Yes, that's true. We have to spend time at work. We spend time shopping. We spend time surfing the Internet. I'm not saying we should do none of that. You know, we all have to take care of, of, our, of our families. But along the way, we've got to stop and think about what's going to happen after this life. We need to make plans with the understanding that there is life beyond this life. We also need to make plans with the understanding is I might not get to fulfill them. James talks about how 
uh, we should not plan to uh, say, I'm going to go into this city or that city and buy and sell and make gain. Rather, we should say, if the Lord wills, I will do, live and do this or do that. We need to make plans with the understanding that we've got bigger plans that we need to keep on our mind. This man did not consider his most valuable asset, time. Stop and think about it. We, you might have just bought a brand new $100,000 car or a, or a really expensive house. Would you ever stop to think about that's not as valuable as time? Think about it this way. If you need extra money, what can you do? Well, you could get a second job if you have to. You could go to the bank, take out a loan. Maybe you've got an extra car lying around you could sell or a piece of property you could sell and get some money that way. Work overtime. And if you're still fortunate enough, maybe you could go to the bank of mom or the bank of dad and get a loan. But where could we go to get some extra time? I didn't get everything done accomplished today. Where's there a bank I could go to borrow a couple of extra hours? Or could you loan me a couple of extra hours so I can have 28 or 30 hours today instead of 24? Well, there is no bank that, that has such a thing. So think, time is definitely our most valuable commodity. What's all this got to do here with modern America? I'm an American in the 21st century. We've got the internet. We put men on the moon. We've got all this technology. Why do I need to even worry about God? Well, because if we're not careful, we could end up just like this man did. If we're not careful, we could wind up with God telling us, you fool, your soul will be required of you. And the truth is, no amount of wealth can secure our lives with God. Take all the money of all the world's billionaires and add it up. There's not enough money to buy their way into heaven. Jesus warns us that wealth can get in the way of our relationship with God. That's what this whole parable is about. Our priorities can be wrong. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, he says, because one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things uh, of our possessions. Now, we like to think that it does, but in reality, it doesn't. This rich man, I have no doubt, if he were alive here in America, he'd be praised by our culture and maybe even by some of our churches. I could see him on some of these televangelists with the prosperity gospel about how God must love him because he's got all these blessings uh, uh, financially and monetarily. But you notice he was not condemned for saving. Jesus didn't say it's wrong to save. He didn't say it's wrong to be wealthy. He didn't say it's wrong to have nice things. We know that Jesus even spent time with his friends, with people enjoying life. What was the first miracle that he did? John chapter 2, he turned water into wine. Where was he? At a wedding. He was with his friends. He went into people's houses and had meals and ate. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But we just have to remember in the application of the parable that the fool uh, hoards instead of being concerned for neighbors or for God. Fools misuse their possessions. They don't use them wisely. They use their time uh, ineffectively. We have to be rich toward God, which is a synonym for having treasure in heaven. Remember, no matter how much we have, it ain't going with us. It's staying right here. And then one can avoid becoming a slave to possessions if we just recognize they're temporary. They don't last forever. Even this, the, our houses, we've got buildings that are hundreds of years old. They're not going to last forever. They're going to go one day, even if they make it to the end of time. And then this rich fool did not realize he really owns nothing. The Lord owns it all. It's on loan for us to use 
to the glory of God, to the benefit of those around us. And then the conclusion of the whole matter is life has to be lived in accordance with one thing. Where do we stand with God? That's the question I'd leave you uh, with this evening. It's a question I ask a lot. If the Lord were to come back right now, do you know without a doubt you're going home to be with him? If the answer is no, shoot me a message. Or Stevie or anybody on the program will be glad to help you out. We'll be glad to help you turn that no or that I don't know into a yes. There's nothing wrong with saving, nothing wrong with investing, nothing wrong with enjoying life. But Jesus did not go to the cross so that we could just be materially wealthy. I hate to break the the news to the prosperity gospel people, but that's not why Jesus went to the cross. It's not for wealth. So this evening, if you're not rich toward God, let us help you to make that investment so you can be rich toward God. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show, Stevie. We'll see you next time. I'm done. I'm out. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Yeah,
So I need my Help me know the right word To say to the enemy Help me to sing, Lord, in the middle, in the middle of my Lord, I need a song like Jesus. In the middle, in the middle, in the middle, when I'm in the middle. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into our broadcast this evening, and we certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show via Blog Talk Radio as well as on social media. My co-hosts uh, Clay Phillips and Steve Cordell both made their presentations on Facebook Live. We certainly appreciate their efforts. I want to thank my co-host Brian Christian Coleman for that lesson uh, on the subject "Get Over It and Let It Go." Lord, that brother preached this evening, didn't he? That brother was on fire for the Lord this evening. We certainly appreciate his efforts. And also my co-host Steve Cordo, he was live there on Facebook and his presentation, Six Things. Uh, he's, he's talked about six things Jesus didn't die to make the American dream happen for us. Always certainly appreciate the uh, lessons that are being given on this broadcast by Steve Cordo as well. And my co-host Clay Phillips, he answered a good question from an anonymous query from the state of Florida does one need to be a Christian to go to heaven? Like he said during his answer, this question has been asked for decades. People are trying to find out the answer to this question. It's really a simple answer to this question. Yes, we have to be obedient to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what this uh, radio show is all about. It's called the Gospel Light Radio Show. We're trying to shine the light of the gospel throughout the world. So yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You de- definitely need to be a Christian to go to heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for we're just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast, and it's our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and that your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of our co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Will you be ready to meet your God? Please, please. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You've been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show, episode 237. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? Mm, how can I? Mm, yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? Mm, how can I? Mm, yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? Mm, how can I? Mm, yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? Mm, how can I? Mm, yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? Mm, how can I? Mm, yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? Mm, Up 